This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 46, Baseball Mango Pizza, recorded on September 15th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a reasonably good week for me so far. Uh, not a fantastic week so far for the Indians, but the Tigers keep kind of matching them, and so the magic number keeps dropping one a day, and losing three or four to the White Sox isn't ideal, but uh, they're still in good shape. I'm feeling pretty good about things. Yeah, at this point, I'm okay with just telling myself they're just saving it all for the playoffs. As long as that magic number drops, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> That's all I want to see is that get to zero. They can stumble into the playoffs if they win. If they like sweep the ALDS, nobody's going to care what they did in the middle of September. So that's my goal right now. <laughs> Maybe I wish some other people shared that that thought process a little bit <laughs> instead of every loss being the end of the world. But I guess it's just how it happens. There's been enough of the Indians not doing so great that people are just kind of programmed to be disappointed. I don't know. Yeah, certainly a big segment. Every time the Indians lose two games in a row, there's it brings the people out of the woodwork saying there's no way they can possibly do anything in the postseason. And at this point, it's not worth arguing with any of them. The postseason will arrive. The Indians will either do well or they won't. And if they don't, those people will just shout, see, no matter what right, that's... <laughs> try to talk. So. That's what I was going to bring up. There's, I mean, if we're being level-headed, rational people, I think we both know there's not, it's like a one in, well, it's a one in 12 chance the Indians win the World Series, so they're probably not going to. And the second they do, it's going to be everybody saying, see, we all knew they weren't. But if they do, at least we'll have something to rub in their face. And also a championship, so that'll be nice. (laughs) (laughs) And which of us will be more pleasant, the championship (laughs) or the opportunity to rub it in people's faces? I mean, really, what else do you want your team to win a championship for if not to rub it in the faces? Right. Of I don't get to touch the trophy. I don't care about that thing. I just want to rub it in other people's faces. <laughs> they can keep their shiny medal. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, like you said, not a great week of games. Uh, the Indians started the series, started the weekend against the Twins, which they won two out of one, but that was a boring series. I mean, I'm just so sick of playing the Twins. We talked about it in the preview. I guess we'll go series by series this time. Did anything stick out to you with that? Um, other than Brian Dozier, although I think I don't know if he homered in that series, but he's been really good. The series was, yeah. <laughs> well, it was nice. I mean, the Indians struggled so much against the Twins early in the season. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was nice that by winning this final series, they actually took the season series against them too, for what that's worth. Uh, and then Sunday, Corey Kluber pitched really well again. I mean, for me, other than the Indians winning the division, which is obviously the most important thing, and it would be nice to catch Texas, although it feels less and less like they're going to for the best record. To me, other than winning the division, the big thing is can Corey Kluber win his second Cy Young? Um, So him pitching well again on Sunday and sort of boosting his case. I think he's got an uphill fight uh, just because I think Zach Britton's going to draw a lot of support uh, for all the saves and his incredibly low ERA. And then Rick Porcello, uh, you know, has a good ERA and has been really good this year. Uh, I don't think he's been best pitcher or anything, but he has 20 wins, which is not nearly as significant as it used to be for the Cy Young, but I do think is still a significant factor for a lot of voters. Uh, But I'm hoping he has one or two bad games to pop his ERA up a little bit. And Kluber's up to 16 wins, so, you know, he could pretty conceivably get up to 18, 19 wins and make it close enough there. 
So uh, seeing Kluber look really good was nice. Uh, but yeah, other than that, not a whole lot jumps out about the, the twin series. Yeah, and then after that, they played the White Sox and everything crapped about it once. <laughs> well, I guess not at once because Except at first the pitching Except for Josh Tomlin. Except for Josh Tomlin, the stopper. <laughs> but yeah, the first, two series, the first two games, I would be willing to call this the Indians won one and a half games. If anything, just because of how good Trevor Bauer looked through five innings or whatever it was. Because, I mean, he looked so good in that start. He had all his stuff working. He was hitting like 97 miles per hour, which is above his season average. His curveball was ridiculous. And then the post game, he said that, I think the basis of what he said was, the exact quote was, I didn't deserve to lose, which isn't the great greatest way to say it in front of a bunch of sports people who overreact to things. But basically what he was saying is he pitched well enough to win. He just did really bad in that one spot. Which I agree with, um, but that was really fun to watch. And then Josh Tomlin just, okay, he's back apparently. <laughs> I still don't know if I'll trust him after more than one start, but that was a good one. And then today's game, I only got to watch part of it, but I'm only kind of glad I did because it didn't look like it was pretty. The offense just died there. <laughs> Maybe they're waiting and ready for the Detroit Tigers. I don't yeah, know. Against, against yeah. James Shields, they couldn't get anything going. James Shields had given up something like 274 runs in his last 10 games, and then they couldn't really get anything going. Uh, you know, you talked about Bauer and, you know, how good he looked. I feel like in terms of saying he didn't deserve to lose, I mean, you look at the sixth inning and he walked the leadoff guy, so that's on him. Um, and then it was just like single, 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 single. I don't think he gave up an extra base hit in the game. He looked great for five innings. He walked a guy and then he gave up four singles, a couple of which were pretty cheap. Uh, and then after he came out, uh, you know, a couple of the the base runners that he had put on came around to score too. So he ended up being charged with a fair number of runs. Uh, but yeah, a couple of cheap hits that otherwise he's you know he's out of that inning. And then you're looking at he's gotten through you know six innings, given up only one run. And you know, cheap hits are going to happen. But like you were saying, he he looked good. There's no you would look at his line from that game and see how many runs he gave up, and that he didn't get out of the sixth inning. Uh, you know, you say, gosh, you know, gave up six runs and. It looks really bad, but then you look a little closer. If you know, you actually see clips in the game. He looked good, so yeah, that's not concerning to me. For me, the White Sox series, the big game was Monday night when I went there, and uh, I think all of the games this week there were multiple Let's Go Tribe members uh, who were there and, and meeting. There's a pretty good group of us Monday night, so it was fun to watch the game with other people I sort of knew, and because it really. Depending on whether one wants to consider my wife an Indians fan or not, which <laughs> sort of is. Um, <laughs> not I mean, necessarily by choice. It was literally the first time I've ever bat been at an Indians game watching with like other full-on Indians fans who I knew on any level. Literally the first time in my life. Wow. Um, so that was a fun new experience, even though the Indians got destroyed. Uh, and also because as a student of baseball history, well, I didn't want the Indians to lose. If they were going to lose, I might as well see something notable. And the White Sox scored in every single inning, uh, becoming only the 17th team in baseball history to do that. So that's more rare than a perfect game. So if I'm going to see the Indians lose, I might as well see something like that. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I think and we have. It's weird that we're at the end. You know, the group of us who were sitting together, we had figured out that, you know, we had noticed that that was going on and uh, and we had looked up and seen how many times it had happened. And legitimately, we're like sort of talking about like, oh, you know, at this point, they're going to lose anyway. So when when Todd Frazier came up, it was like, he might as well hit one out. We might as well see that. <laughs> and then he actually did it. 
And I was sort of half-heartedly, you know, mock cheering it. And behind us was a couple who had driven from near Cleveland, uh, and the two of and, and the two of them were not having it. And I was like, oh, you know, they're still going to win the division. It's history. And they were like, yeah, we heard they were unwilling to take any interest in the fact that they were seeing that because the Indians were losing. And I can, you know, I can respect that. But uh, I'm the sort of fan, I'd already made up my mind they were going to lose, made my peace with it. So I thought it was kind of funny to see something I'll probably never see again. Yeah, it's weird considering we're an Indians blog. I think we have more people in Chicago than like anywhere. There's you and Matt and then a whole bunch of commenters. So I think yeah. we're all over that park <laughs> during the series, one way or another. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more around Chicago than anywhere but Cleveland. In terms of people who are active enough that I have any sense of where they are, you're right. There might be more in Chicago than in the Cleveland area, which is weird. I, mean, I know more of our readers in the Cleveland area, but in terms yeah. of, like, you know, regular commenters and stuff like that, you're right. It does seem like Chicago might be as many or more. Well, and even staff. I don't think we have a single writer in Cleveland. No, we don't. I think the closest is Columbus. Woodmeister, I think, is in Columbus. Yeah. That's we, the closest. Uh, <laughs> If we, for some reason, like if we were issued a press pass for a postseason game, no one could be at the ballpark, you know, in, in sooner than X number of hours because none of us are there. Well, what we'd have to do is get close to the TV and hold it up and take a picture and pretend we're there. Like, look at my press pass. We're at the game. Coming at you live from Progressive Field. I'll just I'll yeah. reach out to, to Jordan Bastien or August Magerstrom and, and ask one of them just to take a picture and then we can Photoshop ourselves into the press box if it comes to that. <laughs> well, I don't know. You did reject August as a writer and you wouldn't let him be a Let's Go Try writer. It's so true. I don't know if he'd allow that. Did that we ever talk about that on the podcast? I did technically pass on adding someone to Let's Go Tribe who is now being paid by Fangraphs to write about baseball. Which... <laughs> and he's also a member of the Baseball Writers Association. Yes. Frankly, I would say in some ways I made his career. He probably wouldn't have been there if he had been stuck writing for us. And, and then the other question this raises is, is what does that decision say about any of my hiring decisions and the other people I did choose to bring on, not to name any names, but uh, I don't know if any of my decisions can really be considered sound at this point. And that also makes me wonder if maybe I could be writing for Fangraphs now, Jason. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I said yes to you. <laughs> this podcast went down quick because you apologize to you and your family for <laughs> the path I set you on. We could have that boat in Bahamas now. We could have a yacht. Uh, but yeah, that was a series. Um, I guess another good thing is Andrew Miller looked really good. He didn't have a single run over his three appearances. So maybe the Indians have still did okay in the trade. <laughs> if we're gonna go game by game and get worried about it every time. And we didn't even mention uh, Jose Ramirez. He had an 11-game hit streak that got snapped today, but he did have one. It dated all the way back to September, ah, to September 4th when he had a four-hit game against the Marlins. That was good. Um, where did I mention Corey Kluber? He was really good. What else stuck out to you in that series other than the game you went to? Not a lot, no. I mean, the, the offense certainly didn't look good. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, like, in a weird... It'd be different if the Tigers were on like a six-game winning streak or something like that, and the margin were getting a lot closer. But this late in the season, as long as the lead is five or more games, I just I have a hard time getting worked up about things because I don't tend to believe things that are happening right now really have anything to do with whether they're going to win in October or not. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm comfortable with the fact that they're going to make it to October, I just can't work up any 
angst or frustration about things much right now. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's, <laughs> I don't know if, if you would say this, but I would rather be feeling like this than be feeling like two games down and constantly anxious. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay and, with know, this. Two days from now, if, you know, the Indians come back home and uh, if they were to say get swept by Detroit, I'll be in a completely different mindset at the end of that series. Um, but right now, going into the series, they've got a comfortable lead. Uh, enough guy, you know, the, the pitching, Kluber's been fantastic for a while. Uh, Carrasco and Bauer have been a little up and down, but on the whole, I both feel like they've been pitching pretty well. Uh, I, you know, Salazar's probably done as a starter this year, which is frustrating and disappointing. Um, but they've already been winning more than they've lost without really getting anything for him for more than two months. Cause he hasn't really pitched well since June. So it's not like, you know, they're, they're not going to get back first half Salazar, which was the hope, but they're not really losing anything from the second half by his absence. Cause they haven't gotten anything from him. It's just like Michael Brantley, not coming back. They were in first place without him. It would have been nice to get him back, but they're not losing anything from the success they've had this year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just can't give any hot takes, I guess, right now. If they get swept by the Tigers, I'll have plenty of hot takes come Monday morning. Come on, Jason. This is the internet. You have to always have hot takes. No, I'm really bad at hot takes. The, <laughs> the last couple nights on the end, Twitter, oh, someone geez. the other day was like, all right, I want your, your biggest movie hot take. And it's just been like people admitting the movies that they think are bad that other people like. And... <laughs> It's just a reminder that the vast majority of hot takes are really just terrible takes. <laughs> Although yours about, what was it, about the GameCube? That, that's awful, Jason. The GameCube is a great how console. anyone would say Mario Kart on the GameCube. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. Fantastic game. Phil <laughs> was the one crapping all over the GameCube. That's what it was. But neither of us really like Double Dash, and that's that's what got you going oh, and you guys slinging insults over completely there. Completely out of your mind, and clearly your opinions <laughs> on video games should be completely disregarded. <laughs> this off season, we we can have Phil on and have a just Mario Kart podcast where we, we where we talk about everything but Double Dash versions of the game. <laughs> we'll discuss every game but Double Dash. That's where we'll do it. <laughs> so yeah, the only thing I wanted to mention is. Um, so Bauer, like I mentioned his comments, uh, I don't know, you said you don't listen to Tom Hamilton or anything, but apparently he was getting all old man yells at Cloudy about the fact that Bauer didn't take responsibility for his loss, which is really annoying because I like the way Bauer just sort of operates. He released a video this week, another blog, where it was just him with a camera on his head and warm up. So that was awesome. He was talking the whole time and explaining everything. That's the kind of thing a lot of players don't do, and it's just because he's a player that is so outspoken about everything. And he didn't just give a canned response when he was in an, when an interview after the loss. He said, I pitched really well, and I know I did. I think that was kind of neat instead of just moping and just giving a rehearsed response. I don't know what people like Tom Hamilton, the really old school people, want. I, I don't know. I like personalities and the fact that players are people. So yeah, I like I like Bauer the way he is. I don't know if you heard or read anything about that, but yeah, no, I did. And again, I mean, there have been times in the past when I felt like Bauer did not pitch well, and he's given the same sort of comments on nights when you know he felt like good pitches got hit for home runs and and things like that. When I felt like in, in other situations. For me, I guess it comes down to whether I agree with him or not. So in the games when I thought he pitched poorly and he was like, I pitched well, it's like, ah, you're being obnoxious. <laughs> but this week, 
I do think he pitched well. And so when he says that, it doesn't bother me at all because I think he's just sort of being matter of fact and not getting down about, you know, the fact that despite pitching pretty well, things didn't go his way. Um, so, yeah, in the end, I guess if you agree with me, I think you're fine. And if you disagree with me, I guess I don't. Um, either way, I don't have any interest in listening to Tom Hamilton complain about anyone on the Indians. Uh, I'm, I, I'm at a point where once Vin Scully retires in two and a half weeks, if someone made the decision that no one over the age of 60 is allowed to comment publicly on baseball players, I'd be fine with it. Tony LaRusso this week said incredibly stupid stuff that oh, he's catching hell for. And it's just, I'm done with that attitude from you know people who are that far beyond the current generation of players and people. Which is not to, I'm not trying to marginalize older people, but that sort of get off my lawn, you know, man yells at cloud stuff. I, I have no tolerance for it anymore. Yeah, it's just the old school mentality, I think. Because there's plenty of young fans, or young-ish fans that still think like that. Uh, I just want, like like you, I want that mentality to go away. And Tony LaRusso, the stuff he said, he got ripped apart by Jeff Passan, which was awesome. Yeah. I think he started his post with like, Tony Larusa, common convicted drunk driver and manager of one of the most steroid-addled clubhouses in the league. That was really funny. Um, but yeah, what else was I going to mention? I don't remember. It's going to be really important too, probably. Probably. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, anything else from the games? No. Uh, yeah, I obviously would have liked them to win more than one game against the White Sox, but a three and four road trip. You know, I think their lead is actually, you know, is either the same or a game larger than it was a week ago or something like that. The series this weekend is huge. Again, the worst case scenario, and I will then be nervous if it comes to this, but the worst case scenario is the Indians enter the last two weeks of the season with a three-game lead. Um, And if they win even one game this weekend, they're still going to have a five-game lead. And if they win the series this weekend, the division is basically over. Like, we seem to do this every single week, but how about some good old injury talk? <laughs> I mean, we need, at this point, we need like a whole music intro for it, and we do it enough, might as well produce it. Yeah, but. we should have sponsorship from like the Cleveland Clinic or something. <laughs> sure, why not? Just just for Jan Gomes' injury, we can make a bunch of money off of it, I think. But yeah, Gomes, uh, he separated his shoulder earlier this season, obviously, of course. He was doing his rehab stuff, he was finally catching full games again, and then he got hit on the hand. I think that was la- or the night before last night he got hit on the hand. He got the MRI today. I don't know if they said he fractured or not, but Andre Knott during the game said basically he's not going to be activated Friday like they originally thought he would be. He thought he'd be back Friday, but that's not happening. He probably is going to be back over the weekend, and there's a chance he could be out even longer. So there's a pretty decent chance Jan Gomes, like Danny Salazar, is gone for the regular season, and by the time he comes back, he won't be much help anyway. I think at this point I'm okay with Roberto Perez buying catcher. I mean, obviously I always have been, but... <laughs> <laughs> he's been good enough because Jan was just awful hitting. But yeah, he's not going to be here for the regular season. Probably not very effective in the postseason. Anything, any thoughts about that? No, I mean, I would have liked to see him back just in case, you know, he did look a lot better. And, it, you know, I guess we'll we'll probably know a little bit more by early afternoon tomorrow. Um, you know, if it's just like, if it turns out just to be like a bad bruise, it sets him back a week and he's, you know, still back for the last week of the regular season, then that's still enough time to see if it were, you know, if it's worth giving him a, a roster spot for the postseason or not. But again, back? sort of like already, you know, talking about 
Salazar the second half of the season and Brantley all year, um, they, they might not be getting back a boost that there was some chance they would get from his return. Um, but he's been terrible this season and they're in first place despite that. So again, like the Indians aren't getting a lot of hypothetical boosts that people hope they would get. Instead, they're just going to head into the postseason with the team that has a six game lead and oh, darn. the second best run differential in the American League. So <laughs> they can oh, win gosh. without getting any of those guys back. Yeah. And if they I- don't win, it's. It's not because we didn't get those guys back. Yeah. If, if Jan Gomes come back, if he comes back before the end of the regular season, no matter what, do you think he's going to be uh, on the postseason roster? Or is he actually going to have to win the job in the last week? I think if he's back for a full week and shows he can you know, play back-to-back games behind the plate and doesn't go like 0 for 18, that he'll be on the postseason roster. Yeah. I did kind of have a morbid curiosity. Back games and picks up, you know, a few hits in the week. You know, four hits in the week. He's he'll definitely be on the, the postseason roster. Yeah, I, I did kind of want to see if like the pitching staff, because there was a whole thing about they they pitched so much better with Young going on to play. I was kind of interested to see if that changed in the last couple of weeks. If if maybe he is. There's really something with Jan Gomes, but apparently we're not going to get to see that for very long. I mean, I know the pitchers really like him, Corey Kluber especially. Um, I know, you know, I feel like the rest of the team would like him back. I think that, you know, they, they view him as, you know, part of the team, just like they'd like to have Brantley back. And that's not to say they don't care about the other catchers on the team, but Gomes is the guy they, you know, they've been with the most the last couple of years. Um, so I know they'd be excited and happy to have him back. Uh, you know, Francona is certainly the type of manager who I think all of us would expect to put the guy with more experience on the roster. So I, I, if he's able to come back and play and look mildly competent, he'll be on the postseason roster. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, the series he won't be back for is obviously the one coming up. Uh, the Indians are going to get prepared to face the Tigers. A week ago, this looked like a really intriguing, fun matchup. But at this point, like you said several times already, if the Indians, if the Tigers, if the Tigers sweep, it'll sort of matter. But other than that, um, the Indians have to look competent in three games. <laughs> and I think they can manage that. Um, but it's going to be Corey Kluwer and Michael Fulmer tomorrow. That should be a really good matchup. Uh, on Saturday, it's going to be Carrasco and Verlander. And on Sunday, it'll be Bauer and Norris. Which Norris is that? It's not Derek Norris. How do I not know his name? Daniel I'm blanking Norris. on it. Daniel Norris, that's the one. So it's like the three best pitchers pretty much against... I guess at this point, it's the Indians' three best pitchers, unless you suddenly believe in Josh Tomlin again. Yeah, so it'll be three really good pitching matchups. No matter what happens, we've got that going for us. So, yeah, what are you looking forward to most in this series? Uh, the Friday night game, just because, again, like Corey Kluber is the, the, the Indians player I'm most interested in for the rest of the regular season. Um, so I'd like to see him pitch really well and boost his Cy Young cases. Uh, if the Indians wanted to score a ton of runs off Fulmer and knock his ERA up, um, that could have the sort of dual purpose of potentially helping Tyler Naquin's fairly slim rookie of the year chances. If Fulmer finishes with an ERA below three, I think he's a total lock to win it. Um, But if they could score like seven runs off of him, uh, they could do all sorts of potential postseason awards improvements for the for the team's chances so the friday night game to me is the most intriguing one just because of that um justin verlander's been really good this year and he's 
a Cy Young, you know, candidate. So I, I feel like it did, you know he's been better than Carrasco this year. So it'd be interesting to see how the Indians do against him. The other thing is, well, with a six-game lead, the Indians are in, in pretty good shape as long as they don't get swept. It's still a pretty big series for both teams just because, uh, well, the division's the most important thing. The Indians would still like to catch Texas, which is going to require them to play pretty well the rest of the season. Um, we all want them to avoid, if they win the division, falling behind the AL East leader and having to go on the road in the first round. And then Detroit, even if they're not going to win the division, uh, you know, the wild card is very much in play for them. I think they're one game out of the wild card or maybe a game and a half or something like that. So the Indians have a chance, you know, if they could sweep the series, I mean, that would completely wrap up the division, but that would also put the Tigers pretty close to the brink of being knocked out of even wildcard contention. So it'd be kind of fun to, to be able to not only take the division from them, but keep them out of the postseason. Yeah, and as, uh, as far as the rookie of the year race goes, I imagine that Tyler Naquin getting a home run off Michael Fulmer, if voting is close to the end of the year, that highlight's going to be replayed a lot if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you remember when, when Kluber won the Cy Young two years ago, uh, Felix Hernandez was in a lot of ways, it was his big competition, and late in the season, the two teams played, and Kluber got the better of that game. And I don't know that it made the difference. Um, it helped. But, yeah, I mean, you know, again, like, there's a narrative in all of these awards. And I feel like the Cy Young is a little less drawn to the narrative. The MVP is super narrative-driven. Mm. Um, but, yeah, a big moment like that late in the season in a big game, you know, in a series that's important for both teams uh, – yeah, I do feel like things like that for a lot of people, even if it's just subconscious, serves as sort of a tiebreaker in some cases. So I don't care all that much if Naquin ends up winning the Rookie of the Year or not. I don't think he should win it, um, even though he's been really good. Kluber and the Cy Young is, is the award that I care about. But yeah, I, it, it'd be nice to see Naquin get a couple big hits off Homer and Kluber throw like seven or eight shutout innings and then use that game to uh, steamroll through the rest of the weekend, sweep them, and, and then we'll all be partying next week. <laughs> so, so you were rooting against the Indians while you were at the game, and then you don't want Tyler Naquin in Rookie of the Year. So I don't know if you're an Indians fan there, Jason. Are you sure uh, you really love Carlos Santana? I was not rooting against the Indians Monday night. I was rooting <laughs> for history. We'll put it that way. And you like that bum Carlos Santana. Said you want the Yankees to make the postseason, so you're <laughs> the one who's suspect here. <laughs> but they have former Indians prospects, see? I like the Indians so much that I like seeing their former players do well. That's what a real no. fan does, Jason. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to take a brick, or a brick quake, a quick break here. Um, we'll be back with Brandon Day from Bleshy Boys to preview the series. And we return now with Brandon Day of Bless You Boys. Uh, he joined us, maybe not the last time the Tigers played the Indians, but at one point he helped us preview. We talked a little bit about Mike Mike Avilas' Golden Calves and all kinds of things. But <laughs> welcome back, Mike. Or welcome back, Brandon. Glad to have you back. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yep, great to be back. Yes, we uh, we missed Mike Avilas' Golden Calves, but we've we've tried to move on with this Eric Ibar replacement. It's been a little better. A little bit As better. We, we, we all try to move on yeah. from Mike Avilas. It's impossible, but we try. I was going to say, I'm not, we're not really sure what happened to Mike Avilas. You know, he was supposed to get on a plane to Atlanta, and they DFA'd him before he did, and uh, that's the last I've heard of him. So hopefully he's all right. I don't want. I don't wish him any harm at all. That's you know. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll find a team next year somehow. If he's on the Indians, though, I swear it's. I mean, I don't want to 
use our whole time again talking about Mike Avilas, but I don't want it to happen. I don't think you want him on the Tigers either. It's just <laughs> not a good thing. No, I, he's a vortex. We can't ignore him, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just, I'll figure to jump right into it. Um, the Tigers are kind of in a place that Indians fans are familiar with. Technically not eliminated, but it kind of feels like it every more each day. I mean, I'm just guessing that's probably what it feels like after the last few years of the Indians being there. So what's the general feeling just among Tigers fans right now? Is it the sky is falling? Is it we're going to sweep the Indians and get into the playoffs? You're going to get the wild card? Just what's the general feeling around Tigers fans right yeah, now? Yeah, um, I would say, yeah, the, the hubris level is very, very low right now, Matt. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't. I don't think everyone has has completely uh, thrown in the towel. Um, mainly because the wild card situation this year is just so you know just so crazy. There's you know there's still five teams technically that could that could pull this thing out, and we're still only a couple games out of that. But um, yeah, you know, we we really needed to go into uh, September and, and get on some kind of a roll, and instead they've they've looked flat. You know, we've kind of gone. I think we've gone six and seven of the thirteen games. Which isn't that good. We haven't played particularly anybody tough besides uh, Baltimore. They took two or three from us. So yeah, I mean, I think I think there's just kind of a deep ambivalence. You know, no one. Uh, you know, maybe at the beginning of the month, you know, there was a little bit of like, hey, here we come. You know, we're gonna go get them. And right now, I think everyone's just sort of sort of wincing and trying to uh, emotionally armor themselves for disaster at this point. I think. <laughs> Is it extra frustrating watching the Indians like on the same nights the Tigers lose, the Indians lose on the same nights, and when the Tigers win, the Indians happen to win? No, you know, to be honest, I haven't, I haven't, you know, you guys had a big enough lead that, you know, I was, I wasn't even really thinking about you too much until, you know, I was kind of, kind of a, hey, when we win, you know, three or four in a row, then we'll start talking about catching Cleveland um, kind of a situation. But yeah, you know, um, I have to admit, you know, to you and to your fan base that I kind of expected you to be in this situation last time we talked. Um, you know, it just, <laughs> It feels like I've seen the Indians, you know, so many times kind of look like they were going to make that run and then kind of crumble down the stretch. And um, so far, it's been us. You know, it really has. The offense has just been brutal, brutal. Um, we've still gotten pretty good starting pitching, you know, the past couple weeks. Um, the bullpen's been a little spotty, but, you know, we've pulled out a lot of uh, a lot of close games where the Tigers offense just could not handle, you know, even, the, you know, the most mediocre starting pitcher. And uh, and then we managed to pull it out, you know, against the bullpen. So, even that kind of modest six and seven record this month um, has been has been kind of sketchy, you know. And you see us today go out um, and score one run against Hector Santiago, and you know that uh, yeah, the fan base was not pleased with that. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's kind of kind of just yeah, kind of backing away. Like you know, we 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 need to see something. You know, the fans haven't been very positive down at Comerica. Um, Miguel Cabrera just yesterday kind of kind of called out the fan base for being too negative and that, you know, it's, it's hurting the team and we need to kind of fire everybody up. And I think there was kind of a collective, like, eh, sort of feeling, you know, from the fan base about that, you know, like, okay, you know, okay, Miguel, how about you guys hit? And uh, so, yeah, you know, right now, yeah, I would say uh, confidence isn't real high for sure. Was there anything specific that Cabrera was talking about or just kind of the general feeling of fans isn't going very well, which, I mean, I guess the team isn't going well very well, so you can't blame them. But is there anything that you know of that Miguel was talking about specifically? No, you know, I don't think it was anything anything specific. You know, he was talking about how, you know, he and, you know, Victor and a lot of the veterans have kind of have been through this a million times. But there's a lot of younger players that we're leaning on. And, you know, they're they're perhaps more uh, more present on social media than some of the older guys are. And, you know, they see this stuff and it's, you know, it's getting to some people. It's, it's basically the gist of what, what it sounded like he was trying to uh get across to us but um there, you know there hasn't been anything specific you know the tiger fans i think in general are, have you know kind of have just a bit of malaise going you know you know there's still that feeling that like we missed our chance um 
you know, there's certainly people who think that the window is uh, is slamming shut on them. So, you know, yeah, it's, you know, people just have, are kind of, I think the whole situation feels a little bit overripe um, to certain elements of the fan base. It's kind of similar to how uh, Red Wings fans have felt, I think, mm-hmm. in, in recent years. Like, you know, the, the bloom is off the rose and does the organization know it yet? Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily feel that way. You know, I mean, I look at the fact that we've got Daniel Norris, Michael Fulmer, and um, Matt Boyd, who've all, you know, pitched really well this year. Um, all those guys are, you know, 23, 23 or 4. And, um, you know, I mean, we look pretty well set, you know, as far as starting pitching goes into the future with those guys. Um, but, you know, yeah, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, the feeling that like Miguel isn't quite the hitter he used to be. Um, Victor Martinez has just struggled mightily the past couple weeks. And um, and obviously watching him run is already, you know, enough to make you wince. So, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you know, it, it's it's been a little bit of a tough go. You know, I don't I don't think people are, have been quite as into it this year as they were, you know, the previous three or four years. Um, I've actually, you know, we, we get, you know, we just got our butts handed to us in 2015. So I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised to see us back in this, <laughs> this thing. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people just aren't, aren't as confident as, as they once were, for sure. Even before, you know, things kind of started to look bleak this month. Well, so there's a thought that the door slamming shut just on their whole, not just this season, you're saying, like their whole championship window for this core already? Maybe I'm like misreading yeah, I mean, the I team, think, but I thought they know, had a bunch of young players. Yeah, I mean, we, we do have the three young starters. Um, Nick Castellanos, um, you know, kind of broke out this year and had a good season. Um, he's been laid up for about six weeks after taking a ball off the wrist. And um, so, you know, we're missing him a little bit. And this lineup is um, is pretty inefficient in general. You know, we really need, like, our one through seven to all be there because we're not, you know, the Tigers are terrible on the base pass. Um, you know, we don't see it, you know, we don't move runners around. You know, it's basically kind of a, a home run hitting or bust type of offense. And you know, that's not a problem. I mean, you look around the league. I mean, that's what you're seeing this year is that the home run rate is just, you know, out of control. And, um, you know, so I, I'm not so so convinced that the Tigers window is closed. Not really at all. But, um, yeah, I think there's just a feeling that, you know, the, the core, Miguel, Justin Verlander, Victor, that these guys are getting a little bit older. The Tigers probably have maxed out Mr. Illich's spending power, although you never know about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I you know, I just think there's sort of a, you know, we keep – We've been closed a lot of times and we haven't pulled it off. And, then, you know, people are just, are starting to look at, at it as, you know, we, we missed our chance, I think. I think there's there's definitely a, a strong feeling from part of the fan base that, uh, yeah, it's just it's a little bit too late and they need to blow it up. You know, everybody's so excited about rebuilds nowadays. You know, all of a sudden, you know, everybody thinks they're going to turn into the Cubs just because they uh, they trade all their good players. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really work like that. So I, I'm, I think uh, they, it would be, you know... If, yeah, if they really uh, thought about it realistically, the chances of you know some kind of giant fire sale resulting in success within a couple year window is uh, far worse than simply riding it out as we are. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine blowing it up one year after handing Justin Upton all that money. I mean, and I make he hasn't. Another thing I was going to bring up is he hasn't been bad lately. I think the last time we talked, you mentioned that he's just really streaky, and the, the last time we were on the podcast, he was on his down streak, but now he appears to be an up streak. He's slashing like. 284, 363. He has a 171 WRC plus in the last 25 games. So it was at least that kind of fun to watch in the middle of the rest of the Tigers. Not so great offense and Victor Martinez limping around the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Um, it's funny because, uh, you know, really the first two months of the season, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I would I would guess that his combined WRC plus for April and May was something like 60, you know, somewhere in that range. So it was really bad, really bad for two months. 
And then he was kind of decent through the summer. And um, yeah, he just went crazy. I think he had nine home runs, you know, in, in little over two weeks time. And it just seemed like every one of them was big. So yeah, that was fun. Um, he's kind of cooled down over the past, you know, week or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, for a while there, it was just like one three run home run, you know, to win a game or to take the lead, you know, after another. So that was great to see. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, we just haven't really seen that many blowouts. You know, I, I think that's, that's, that's really what it is. The Tigers have scored enough runs to win games, but we haven't had those couple of games where they just kind of lit, lit a pitcher up, you know, made it easy on them and could kind of use the, uh, the dregs of the bullpen, you know, instead every, even the wins have been kind of, uh, nail biters. So yeah, you know, I mean, and that could that could flip a switch any time. I'm not, you know, I have, certainly haven't given up on the season. I mean, the Tigers' offense could take off at any moment, wreck shop for a week, and you know, we we might have this thing locked up. So you just never know. But yeah, you know, there's there's just based on it's you know, it's really just been such a uh, an up and down season, and that's kind of how it's gone like the past couple weeks. You know, we win a couple games, and suddenly everybody's back into it, and then they lose two games, and you know, everybody's given up on them completely. It's just a very bipolar. Uh, bipolar situation for the fans but yeah the tigers the tigers organization is not going to you know there's going to be no fire sale they're not giving up on this that's it's just not even really you know worth worth considering to them i'm sure so yeah so even among indians fans even being this far up it's the same thing i mean you wouldn't know it looking after a loss that the indians are this close to the playoffs i don't know if that's if it's because it's cleveland and even with the championship they're not used to winning but i don't know some people just get so upset after a loss no matter what i can't blame tigers fans for getting upset when you're this close, because I mean, again, we know your pain. And in general, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of sympathy from Indians fans having your payroll and a core <laughs> of good young pitchers and Nick Castellanos and Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. So there's probably not a whole lot of pity floating around. But as someone who watches every single game, as I'm sure you do, I can I can feel for you a little bit watching a team not maybe not make the postseason. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. But yeah, I ex- I expect no sympathy for, from you guys at all. There's there's no reason for it. <laughs> you know, we've, at the very least, you know, we've been on top series for be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the the weird thing about this series is that you know when I thought about it maybe three or four weeks ago, it was a lot more of a like, okay, here's the here's the big AL Central showdown. But um, yeah, the team just you know just hasn't really done enough to uh, to kind of get that kind of hype and vibe going for this this series, you know, we're just fighting for our lives back here. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely, definitely excited to see how you guys look at this point. Um, cause you know, I, I, like I kind of didn't believe in you <laughs> to be honest, didn't believe hundred percent in the old Indians there. And I apologize cause you guys have definitely, uh, definitely held the line. You know, I, you know, when you hear Salazar has been interested, has been hurt quite a bit, you know, I had him on a fantasy team and I was kind of watching him oh. struggle and go down. So yeah, you know, I've, I've been pretty, pretty darn impressed that you guys have, uh, have fought your way through all that with seemingly little difficulty. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I personally owe you an apology. If you have Danny Salazar on your fantasy team, that couldn't have been pretty because <laughs> of how good he was. I'm sure you just kept him in there for a couple starts, right? Even if he's collapsing, cause there's, there's no way it's going to happen again. Right. <laughs> oh, you know, I honestly just got rid of him not long ago. You know, I was yeah. like, no, I'll ride it out. You know, we'll see how it goes. I already had like Matt Harvey, you know, I've, I've been through the whole situation this <laughs> oh, year geez. plenty of times. <laughs> so I guess that's enough Tiger's heartache. We'll talk about something good, I guess. Since you're so nice to come on, we'll have to talk about just the bad parts of the season. Michael Fulmer. Um, wow, he's been good. Yeah. <laughs> the last time we talked, it was kind of, I can't remember if he, I think that was when he's back on his downswing because he started really hot and then he got a little worse. And then holy cow, was he back. <laughs> you think he's got a chance yeah. of winning the rookie of the year? 
I think he sh- probably should win the rookie of the year, but it it does probably you know the the way thing these things go, um, you know it's it's kind of the impression you leave at the end more than anything else, you know. While Gary Sanchez continues to just mash dingers left and right for the uh, the Yankees, and everybody's all excited about that, I think if uh, if Michael Fulmer continues to pitch well and he's got three starts left, I mean I, I'd be really surprised if he didn't win rookie of the year because he really has been incredible. Well, if it's Gary Sanchez, uh, we we can stand outside like MLB headquarters and all protest together. I think we'll all yeah. combine. <laughs> I don't think Tyler Naquin should win it anymore, maybe, but it, I think it should be Fulmer, at least at least over Gary Sanchez. Dingers are fun, but yeah, Michael Fulmer. Yeah, dingers <laughs> are fun. Yeah, but you know he's only been, he's only been in the league, you know, for what four weeks now. You know, right. yeah, I can't I can't give it to a guy based on that. So <laughs> nor can I give it a Cy Young award to Zach Britton. That is not happening in my opinion. So yeah. Oh really? That's another interesting thing. So you don't think? I mean, is he even close to getting it? You think in your mind? No, I, I just, I, I can't do it. No, I mean, I'm not saying there's no reliever, but you know, I've got to see, like, you've got to pitch a hundred innings at least, you know, you've got to, you've got to do a kind of a Dylan Batanza's routine from a year or so ago. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is this would be Corey Kluber, right? You know, right now I, I am kind of leaning Corey Kluber. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I cool. can see, I could see Porcello, you know, sneaking in yeah. there because you just never know what people think with the wins and et cetera, et cetera. And Verlander's not completely out of it if he goes nuts the last couple starts either. But I'd be okay with him not going nuts yeah. on Saturday. Just maybe wait till after that. Then he can have a really great, a great start after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't think you have too much to worry about because Carrasco's <laughs> been pitching very well. So yeah. Well, sort of. He's like on a weird up and down thing. So hopefully this isn't Is up. It? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's not quite as down as Danny Salas are. I mean, his bads are like still quality starts, but. Yeah. I mean, can I can I just ask a quick Danny Salazar question? I mean, do they think he's going to be back for for the playoffs? I mean, have you really heard? My, all I heard was forearm tightness, and that sounds very bad. <laughs> yeah, there's no way regular season. That's pretty much ruled out. They think maybe if they get to the ALCS, he could be in a game. But I mean, we don't know if they'll actually let him start at that point. So I, mean, I think the best bet is he might be in a bullpen role in a deep playoff run, which is yeah. too bad because how he started. But I wouldn't want to let him start right now <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, we just brought uh, Jordan Zimmerman off the uh, the DL, you know, after a couple of pretty bad rehab starts in Toledo, and he just got lit up. So yeah, I, I feel you there. You definitely <laughs> this is not the time of year to just throw a guy out there and see what he's got. You know, you can't exactly. do that right now. <laughs> so uh, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you, uh, I know you're on Bless You Boys, obviously. Uh, anywhere on Twitter, any kind of thing like that. Yep, you can find me on Twitter, um, where I am intermittently uh, tweeting about the Tigers during games at Fiscadoro seventy four. Um, so you can find me there, and yep, you can uh, you can read our stuff at blessyouboys.com, and you can also tell how the team has been going by the fact that I've written very little in the past two weeks because I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you again, Brandon. It's always fun having you on. We'll have to have you on probably next season at this point, unless, oh man, what if they meet in the playoffs? That could happen. It could happen. <laughs> but short of that, yeah, we'll talk to you next season probably. Okay, that sounds good, Matt. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. And welcome back. Uh, once again, thank you, Brandon, for joining us. Always fun to have him on. Yeah, I don't know how the Indians are going to do against the Tigers, but anything short of a sweep, other, anything short of getting swept, I'm happy. Indians are in a good place right now, no matter what the comments look like after a, a single loss. So time to get to what people want to know. Every week we ask on Twitter and Facebook for some social media questions. This week we've got quite a few. Um, one very important one that we'll get to. But first... 330 and 513 asked simply Michael Martinez, question mark. Um, Michael Martinez, Jason, answer that. 
Michael Martinez. While there have been many Michael Martinez's <laughs> over the years, I assume he's asking about the one who is currently on the Indians roster. That's a good hunt. Yeah, I don't know. This isn't like... The, I, I think the you know the gist of the question is why some combination of why is he playing so much and or is he going to be on the postseason roster? Uh, he started today so that Lindor could get a day off, although Lindor did pinch hit. I don't know. I just there's not someone else I feel like really should be in that role. I'm open to the possibility that I'm overlooking someone. I guess the name you'll you'll probably throw out if I don't uh, would be Yandy Diaz coming <laughs> yeah. up with you know some kind of. DL shenanigans that they can still get him onto the roster. Yeah. Uh, and he has looked really good in AAA. And so I guess I'm open to the argument that he should get the roster spot. I don't know how many guys, I'm sure there have been a couple. I feel like Mondesi for the Royals two years ago played almost nothing. I wonder how many guys have been on a postseason roster who weren't on the roster at all at any point until, you know, a week or two before this, the, the, the regular season ended. So, I, yeah, I, I guess I feel like Andy Diaz is a better baseball player right now. And so on that level, it would make more sense to bring him up and give him some playing time the last couple weeks and then potentially have him on the roster. But, yeah, I guess this is another – I have a hard time giving a hot take on it. So <laughs> can you give a hot take on it? Uh, free Andy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> no. At this point, there's no chance he's going to get called up. I think the Indians traded from – did they trade for him? They traded like nothing. It was like cash or something. But they obviously wanted him back. Uh, if they were going to have Yandi up, they would have at this point. I think a lot has to go wrong for Yandi to get caught up. It's not right. I think he should be up. I think he's better than Martinez. He can play just about every position. Michael Martinez can, plus the outfield. I don't know. It's just a guy that Tito likes. Sure. They like him in the clubhouse. <laughs> the the question well, of Michael Martinez. There's an argument that... Uh, you know, we talk about the postseason being a crapshoot, but you should give yourself every opportunity to you know, succeed. And if you're leaving a better player off the roster for a lesser player, I mean, on some level, that's completely worth complaining about. Oh, it is for sure. Um, if Martinez is on the roster, he, I don't think he'll start a single game, but he'll appear in some games after, you know, someone else pinch hit or in a, you know, a weird situation where he's pinch hitting, which isn't very exciting, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's completely possible that he's going to come up to bat in a really important situation. And even if, you know, Diaz has only a five to 10% better chance of succeeding in that situation, there's, you know, I, I it, it's valid to say they, sh they've screwed up if they let that happen. And then, you know, with the guys like him, that sort of stuff, I, I, I just don't know how we weigh any of that. Uh, you know, the Indians did, Cut Juan Uribe loose, who everyone obviously adored. But yeah, it, it just feels like at this point, it's a little late in the season to think anything's going to happen. It's a totally valid complaint, too. I'm not saying it's not. It's just that, like you said, at this point, it's it's not going to change. And I think it's not like Tito thinks he's leaving a better player off. I think he genuinely thinks that having Martinez around either makes people better or gives them more flexibility or something. Because I have to think he knows how good Yandi has done in the minors. I mean, he's finally got power. He has a great eye. He can play a bunch of positions, but there's something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish yeah, he was no, up. I'm sure he'll right. be up next year. Yeah, I think that's probably, I think, fairly early next year, depending on how things are going. So, other question from 330 and 513. He wants to know, could Salazar come back as a bullpen arm for the playoffs? Might help build his confidence for next season as a starter. I think that's that's probably his most likely scenario. Uh, we talked about it in the first post when he was injured. 
that even if he comes back, he's going to be like at best, like towards the end of the ALDS or in the ALCS. And I don't know if you give him the ball and tell him to start after being so bad for so long and then being injured again. I think it, at most he's going to be a bullpen arm at some point in the playoffs. Because especially in the playoffs, it's just wacky things happen anyway. So starters end up as bullpen arms and all that kind of thing. So it would not be a surprise at all to me to see if the Indians are still in it in the ALCS to see Dennis Salazar pitch like the sixth inning of a bullpen game at some point. Yeah, I mean, if they feel like he's, I, I don't, I don't think we'll see him start again this year. Um, I if they put him on the roster for a postseason series, yeah, I don't think his first appearance would be. In a close game, I think they'd want to, you know, get him out there. Hopefully, you know, and kind of when they're coasting to a big victory, uh, <laughs> and otherwise, yeah, you know, in, when they're getting creamed. But I, if he if he were to come in and pitch a shutout inning in say game two, I could completely see in you know game four, game five, him being someone they brought in in a big spot. I don't feel like he would need to do well in a very large sample for Francona to decide it would be worth putting him into a big moment out of the ball. But, you know, he's not going to supplant, you know, Allen or Miller or Shaw, but, you know, in a close game that might go extra innings in the right situation, you know, I could see him getting brought in, in, you know, like a two on two out situation to try to get the last out. If they're trying to save, you know, Miller for later in the game or something like that, or if it's in extra innings, and I think he could be really effective out of the bullpen. I know some people have said, you know, he's he's struggled early in starts, but I got to think pitchers go into a game with sort of a different attitude starting than relieving and, you know, knowing that you're just going to go in there to get one guy out or, you know, do one inning of work. Um, you know, Salazar's stuff could certainly play well in that kind of role. Oh, man, just the idea of him coming in a big situation after the, the past few months after the injury, I, I hope, like you said, they're coasting to a victory at some point. So here, here's a great analogy. So, so Magic the Gathering and Hearthstone. You ready for this, Jason? <laughs> when, when you're drafting cards or you're picking cards, like, like you want to get cards that no matter what, if you're behind, they help you get ahead. You don't want what are called win more cards. Like they're only good if you're ahead. So I think if Salazar was a Hearthstone card, he's a win more card. Is <laughs> a very grounded, not at all nerd assy analogy I'm making here. <laughs> is I don't want Salazar coming in to help the Indians win. I just want him coming in to basically fill up garbage time, <laughs> at least for the first couple times. But like you said, if he pitches a shutout in one game, I'm sure we'll see him later on like in a tight situation. But he's going to help the Indians win more. He's not going to help come from behind. So the Indians shouldn't draft him with their first pick as a warrior. The confusing thing well, about I got this analogy <laughs> is an American League pitcher can't really – I mean, he's – Strictly speaking, he can't help the team come from behind because the best thing well, he can yeah. do if they're losing is keep the deficit from getting worse. So it sounds like what you're saying is you you don't think Danny Salazar should be used as a pinch hitter. And on that <laughs> level, we fully agree. Well, you see, Jason, in Hearthstone, there's there's a there's a, a mechanic called taunt where the opponent has to attack that one. So in this case, I think Salazar... He's like a big creature with taunt. See, we need Dan Zimborski on again. He would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we should pause the show right now. <laughs> and call him up. Listeners are running to tell their friends for the next few minutes. So we should give their friends time to get to their radio dial. And I'm then saying. we should plug our off-season Mario Kart episode, which is going to further drive our baseball audience to listen. All I'm saying, he's a big card with no attack, and he's got a lot of health, and he has taunt, Jason. It's that simple. Right. I mean, come on. Someone's going to know exactly what you mean, and they're going to decide <laughs> this is the baseball podcast for them. 
See, and this this is how we get rich, Jason. We talk about Hearthstone the whole time. <laughs> Just sneak it in the last twenty minutes of the podcast every week. That's gonna make a good podcast. But yeah, my problem with Hearthstone <laughs> is Pokemon. I don't play it, but I know enough. I can like throw in stupid references that don't really mean anything. But like, I can say Pikachu, and I know that's Pokemon. <laughs> I could drop a Charmander in here. Hearthstone. I don't even know. Like, I don't know what's on the cards to pretend. I know what I'm talking about in this discussion anymore. <laughs> we'll see, Jason. There's six classes you can choose from. No, I'm not <laughs> Anyway, we both agree on Salazar, I think. Um, he's going to come in. We know what we said. He's going to come in just at, at no time. If he's really good, he'll be later. He's not going to start again. I don't know about the whole building his confidence up as a starter. I think that'll come no, in the offseason. I don't worry about that. I mean, yeah. his confidence as a starter is not a concern to me at all. Um, his health as a starter is a huge concern of mine for the future, uh, but not his confidence. Yep. And I also won't be surprised if we don't see him at all the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't think that would be a big shock either. Either because he's just not close enough to being ready or Tito doesn't want to trust him or his arm coming in because he's not a win, he's a win more card. Just something like that, I think. And also, so, just to go back to what we were saying a second before, because I looked it up, I was right. Raul Mondesi, Raul Mondesi Jr., his first major league appearance was in <laughs> was Game 3 of the 2015 World Series. So he never played in the 2015 regular season or ALDS or ALCS uh, and was still on the postseason roster. He might be the only player we can say this about uh, <laughs> But there is a precedent for a player who has never been at a roster appearing in a big playoff game. That doesn't mean I think the Indians are going to do it, but it has been done. Yeah, I didn't know if it was the only one, but I did know that Mondesi did it in the World Series because Mike Petriello, when everybody was talking about 40-man rosters, he was on a Twitter crusade correcting everybody, which I, I thank him for that because he cleared up a bunch of stuff. But for anybody who doesn't know, it's basically if there's a player on the 60-day disabled list, who's on the 40-man roster, and they've been there for 60 days, you can use their spot to basically swap somebody in and replace somebody else. So if they're off the 40-man roster, you can slide them in the playoffs last second. It, it's basically irrelevant because everybody will, will have somebody on the 60-day DL at that point. I think it, like every year, every single team does. They either legitimately have someone injured or you know they just kind of, I don't know, push somebody downstairs or something. But they just say somebody's injured on the 60-day DL so they have the, the roster spot. It's just a big loophole. <laughs> I don't oh, know if they'll close it. Notably, Raul Mondesi, for all that maneuvering, went 0 for 1 with a strikeout. <laughs> See? There you go. It's probably why they're not too worried about the loophole. If you're if you're calling up somebody who hasn't been on your 40-man all year, they're probably not going to change the course of the playoffs. I do wonder if, not in the World Series alone, but like if like any other time that's happened, not necessarily somebody that's never played like Mondesi, but just... Using that loophole, I wonder if anybody's had any big contributions. I'm sure most of the time it's relievers and pitchers, I would think. Right. Yeah, probably so. Yep. So, at Nick2NZ on Twitter asks, what are the ways to combat me not going insane during the next two weeks of baseball and college work? We're psychologists now, Jason. Did you know that? <laughs> How do we not go insane with the mix of college uh, and um, I don't. I feel like I need more information because I'm not sure... What sort of insanity Nick is worried about? <laughs> that is true. Is and it I'm not stress too good <laughs> of will they make the postseason or not? Well, in that case, if they don't get swept, as we already said, you shouldn't be very stressed. Um, is it the 
stress of impatiently awaiting a full postseason series for the first time in nine years. I don't know, maybe drank a lot for two weeks and see if you can just kind of get through it that way. Um, I don't know. There's different kinds of stresses. I feel like a six game lead to the extent that there's stress, like that's an enjoyable stress. Like there's just enough that you can kind of feel stressed, but you don't have to really be worked up about it. So like you're into things, but you're not pulling out your hair or. Yeah, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, I feel like this is, I mean, I'd be fine with the Indians being in the Cubs situation and, and clinching and, you know, just goofing off for two weeks if they want. But I don't I mean, if you can't be fairly satisfied with the Indian situation right now, I would advise you not to even pay attention to the postseason because that's going to be much harder than the next <laughs> two weeks in terms of your stress levels. And as for college work, I'm not the postseason. I mean, the Indians could win the division by 10 games and then immediately be put in a situation where you lose three of your next five games and the 162 game success no longer matters at all. <laughs> right. We should all enjoy the next two and a half weeks. This is the least stressful baseball might be for the next month and a half. <laughs> and as for the college stuff, I'm the worst one for that because I went to a really crappy college that no longer exists. So I still have to pay off the loans, but the college is, it no longer exists. I think the building is there, but yeah. there's no more college. I, college like, it's, it's September. What college stress? Like finals, <laughs> unless you're in some weird... Quarters, there should be no stress right now. College stress, like that's for December. <laughs> if you want to keep throwing Nick under the bus, I'm sorry, Nick. He follows us in the street. I talked to him. <laughs> no, Nick, but... like, I'm not trying to throw you <laughs> under the bus. Just like I'm with advice. You don't need to sweat your college classes <laughs> this early in the semester. It'll be and fine. You can I'm wait. saying I'm throwing him under the bus here because the way he worded it, tell me if I'm wrong here, but he wants to know what are ways to combat him not going insane. So is he looking for ways to combat? So he wants to go insane. He's looking for ways to fight not going insane. See what I'm saying? Oh, gosh. I've been approaching this entirely wrong. I know. We weren't answering the question wrong. I don't know. This is too deep for one podcast, Jason. We need like a spinoff just for this question. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> thank you, Nick. Nick, we'll give it more thought. <laughs> we'll get back to you. So the next question on Twitter is at GiveUpOnLife. <laughs> what are your thoughts on... Oh, this is the important question. I forgot. Uh, this could this could end the podcast. What are your thoughts on pineapple and mangoes on pizza? Mangoes. I mean, okay, mangoes. We can discard that. That's just weird. Pineapples, Jason, on pizza. Um. All right. Well, a little background on me. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not a good way to start this answer. Go ahead. Well, no. I just feel like I I have pertinent information that feels like it's worth passing along before I give my complete answer <laughs> to this question. You said it was important. I'm trying to treat it as important. Okay, okay. Uh, so my my mom is one of 11 children, uh, 10 girls and one boy. And so the one boy in the family, my uncle Jim, um, has had quite a bit of success in his life in uh, various business uh, endeavors, one of which was uh, founding a pizza franchise with, I don't know exactly how many locations, it's, you know, it's obviously not Pizza Hut or Domino's or something like that, but uh, Bread Dough Pizza, which at least last I was aware of, had, you know, a handful of locations, I think all in Iowa and Missouri. Uh, and so growing up, when we were visiting my grandparents, uh, we would often have pizza from uh, my uncle's pizzeria, one of which was in town. Uh, and as a kid, 
uh, Hawaiian pizza, which I feel like late 80s, early 90s was was a big thing, which I think is like Canadian bacon and pineapple or, you know, some sort of not quite pepperoni version of pork I think it's just and, and pineapple. pineapple. Yeah, I mean, I think different places, it's different forms of ham. So as a kid, I was crazy about it. Uh Um, So young me would have said, yay on pineapple on pizza. Adult me, I don't think I've had pineapple on pizza in at least 15 years, which I guess means I'm no longer pro-pineapple. Mango is ludicrous. Uh, (laughs) That's insanity. We can agree on that. (laughs) I will disagree heartily on pineapple, though. I'm actually the opposite. I never liked it as a kid. I thought it was weird. I didn't like warm fruit, but as an adult, I mean, pineapple on pizza is great. We have a local lot of, I mean, I'm in New York, so we got a lot of local pizza places and all their Hawaiian pizza is amazing. So I guess we're the opposite on that one. The, the podcast can continue at least because you liked it as a kid, but <laughs> pineapple on pizza is great. There's no way around that. I hope we can agree that mango is absurd though. I mean, I don't even know where that came from. I don't know. What's out of pineapple that. gets like grandfather claws in because <laughs> you know, people got the goofy idea to start doing it, but. We don't need to be putting other fruits on pizza all of a sudden. I think fruit on pizza can be like wearing number 42. Pineapple is Mariano Rivera and got to keep doing it because he was already doing it. But uh, there never need to be any new fruits on pizza ever again. I will say the weirdest thing I like fruit in that I discovered is um, peaches and ice cream. Like little chunks of peaches. That's really good. I feel like that's... I don't do that, but I do feel like that's sort of a thing. Yeah. I I'm, I don't I normally don't like like if there's anything in Jello I'll gag like if something's supposed to be smooth I don't want any texture but peaches and ice cream's okay that works well like vanilla ice cream or are you putting peaches yeah. into like Rocky Road <laughs> the only time I've actually ever had it is at Chick Fil A they have like a peach milkshake that's really right. good I don't like that's, stuffing in Rocky Road <laughs> that seems on the up and up I don't know if we were getting like some moose packs and then chopping up a peach for it. <laughs> Some peach milkshake moonshine, basically. I'm just up in the mountains in a bathtub, dumping ice cream and peaches. Okay, so Ryan Floor Four on Twitter wants to know. Oh, it's a baseball question. No, I'm kidding. Do you think Rajai will be back? <laughs> Hearthstone and fruit on pizza podcast. <laughs> yes, let's talk fruit on pizza. Do you think Rajai will be back next season? The outfield is already crowded. What do you think? Yeah, I think probably not because the outfield seems kind of crowded. I, I think I think everyone involved will you know have a, a positive opinion of him. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there's just a lot of guys who are sort of locked in unless they get traded away or something like that. So I feel like he's probably not going to be back. Yeah, I think he's. I hope Indians fans all have a positive opinion of him and will remember him fondly if this is his only year with the team, uh, as long as he doesn't do something incredibly boneheaded in the postseason and ruin his reputation in one moment. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would guess he won't be back. Yeah, that's my guess too. It's, it's been really great having a speed around. I think he's been a great influence on people. But I mean, there's going to be Naquin in center field. Brantley's going to be back, obviously. Right field is already Chisholm Hall. Is Crisp under contract for next season? I don't think he is because they're not going to get his vesting option. Yeah, exactly. He won't be a big factor anyway, but Almonte is still going to be around. And then they're going to have Diaz and Bradley Zimmer. I think there's an outside chance Greg Allen could be up next time next season sometime. So there's way too many outfielders. But he's going to go somewhere, and I think he's still got another couple of years in him. His, he's just so fast. I mean, he's like 700 years old. <laughs> I think he's 36. Yeah, no, he, yeah he's, he's still definitely you know worth ha- being on a roster. He's going to yeah, help somebody. Just, there's just too many guys that are... 
fully signed or are practically free. And I feel like the Indians are going to have enough other things on their budget plate that he's just not a big enough upgrade over the basically free option to be worth paying, you know, eight or nine million or something like that, which is probably about what he's going to be able to get from someone. He's fitting right away, which is cool. I think him and Napoli are both. They feel like they've been here forever, and it feels like losing yeah. him is going to feel like losing a lot. But I mean, they were here for a year. They were signed for a year, so that's what they're for. I, I don't remember if I, did we mention it or did I see it on Twitter that somebody brought up the good point that signing players like Napoli after they have a great year isn't the kind of things isn't the way the Indians found Napoli because I mean they found him and Rajai Davis after they both had kind of down years so. Signing them both at the peak of their value isn't something that the Indians, I think, would do. So, and this year yeah, is going to no, be the peak of their value Napoli for a while. This off season would be like the opposite of signing Napoli right. last off season. If you think it was smart of the Indians to sign Napoli, I mean, I know there's the we should have Mike Napoli factor, but really, what you're saying is the Indians should find someone they can sign for cheap, who's going to then bounce back in a big way and. Napoli can't be that guy next year. He's he's not. I mean, to bounce back. I mean, what do you think he's going to hit like forty five home runs next year? <laughs> That's not going to happen. So, yeah. you know, again, fantastic clubhouse presence. I think he's meant more to the team's success than just looking at his WAR or something like that would tell you. I'm still on the fence about whether I'd like the Indians to make him a qualifying offer or not. I don't want to see the Indians sign him to like a you know two year twenty eight million dollar contract or something like that. Yeah, I think you, you do the qualifying offer if you're sure he won't take it. I wouldn't even want to pay him like 15 for one year, I don't think. No, I yeah, do I mean, if, if they made him the qualifying offer, I would be hoping he turned it down. So when I say I'm on right. the fence, I'm on the fence about okay. whether <laughs> I think the risk of him taking it is worth the reward of him declining it and the Indians getting the draft pick. Right. Yeah, I do I do wonder if in the offseason maybe people will finally cut the Indians a little bit of slack when they go for veteran players. I doubt it, but... <laughs> Maybe I think even though it bit. shouldn't, it completely depends on how the next two yeah. to six weeks go. The Indians make the World Series. They, I do think we'll get a lot of leeway on things. Uh, if the Indians were to somehow collapse and not win the division or lose in the ALDS, I don't think anyone who wouldn't give them leeway before is going to have their mind changed by losing in the first round of the postseason, silly as that is. Okay, so final question. We've dedicated an hour and a half to talking. You've dedicated an hour... We're probably almost an hour and a half now to listening, so of course we're going to finish with a very important question. Brian Fitz on Twitter wants to know, how stoked are you for Jack Reacher 2? Never go back. <laughs> I cannot say I saw this question coming, so I'm sure you might answer. You didn't research it, Jason? ...ahead of time when I tell you that I am 0% excited for Jack Reacher 2, Jack Reacher. Isn't that the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher? Yes, it is. is it? It, it, I've seen the previews. I know what it is. It's <laughs> I weird that he does Mission Impossible, and then he's doing what looks like the poor man's poor man's Mission Impossible. That's all he does, though. It's like even his science fiction movies, like Oblivion and Edge yeah, of Tomorrow. Yeah, but at least those are science fiction, where it feels I like guess. they are a different thing. Whereas this just feels like a really low rent version of kind of <laughs> the, the standard. Tom Cruise uh, and Edge of Tomorrow, or whatever they're, whatever they're die called, repeat, or live die you know. repeat. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, that was, I think, you know, that was a successful movie. I think the weird thing is, without getting too far into a discussion of Tom Cruise's career, 
<laughs> he doesn't really like he used to mix in like acting jobs with his movie star jobs. He's a fantastic movie star. Whether you like him or not, Tom Cruise feels like a movie star and when Tom Cruise is in a movie, it feels like a bigger movie whereas like there's all these 20 something guys who are in theory supposed to be filling that role but they have absolutely no charisma. Tom Cruise I think is probably sort of crazy. He, has, he absolutely has movie star magnetism, which very few people have. Uh, but he used to, like, you know, I mean, going way back in his career, uh, he could have won an Oscar for Born on the Fourth of July. Um, you know, Magnolia, he had a smaller role in, which is a really interesting movie. But I feel like in the last, I don't know, decade or so, he's sort of stopped looking for roles like that and is just playing Tom Cruise in movies now. I wonder if he can't get roles like that anymore, though, because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but every time I see Tom Cruise, I can't see the character. I see Tom Cruise talking in a funny voice kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's worked with so many big directors. I feel like he could get something equivalent to Magnolia again if he wanted to. I mean, Magnolia was almost 20 years ago, though, now. So (laughs) it's just... I'll be interested to see if at some point later, I mean, he can only keep doing Mission Impossibles for so long. Like, he looks fantastic for his age and all of that sort of stuff, and is still in really good shape. And he does he's his not going to be too. hanging onto airplanes a whole lot longer <laughs> and still convincing people to, to pay $9 to watch it. So I'll be, I think he'll be an interesting, you know, last stage of his career to see what sort of stuff he does. If he does get back into any sort of, you know, more interesting movies. Yeah. I, I just think the the trend now is if you have these big, like, movies, people are getting more unknown actors to play them. I don't know if people are getting better at finding unknown actors who are really good, but it doesn't feel like there's any one actor dominating anything anymore like it used to be in these, like, serious kind of roles. I don't know. That's just completely unexpected, well, though. Everyone else is lucky Daniel Day-Lewis only makes a movie, like, every five or six years. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about There Will Be Blood? No. That's probably my favorite save for, Let's save it for the off-season. We're at 90 minutes already. Let's save okay. There Will Be Blood for the off-season. <laughs> okay, so that is our podcast. Do you have anything else uh, I got coming up in the next week? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for your, uh, we'll say pretty good questions. <laughs> there were a couple baseball ones. No, I like the, There were some fairly ridiculous questions, but it's good to mix some of those in. It's yep. good that I was forced to think about mango on pizza for a little bit. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Thanks for listening.